Hey everyone, welcome to Together Church's online experience. I am so excited that you're with us today. If this is your first time watching, listening, uh, enjoying this content, why don't you do us a favor, send us a message, let us know where you're watching from, let us know how we can pray with you, let us know how we can celebrate with you, let us know how we can better connect with you. If you enjoy this content today, you enjoy what Together Church is doing, uh, why don't you consider um, giving to support what we are doing here in Pace, Florida and around the world through our online campus. So you can go to mytogetherchurch.com and there's a give portal where you can give to support what God is doing here at Together Church. So we have been in the book of Acts forever now. <laughs> We've been in the book of Acts for a long time. We're just trucking along. And this week we're in Acts chapter 17. And a lot of incredible things happen in chapter 17. Jason and his family, uh, his house experience persecution. Paul and Silas go to a place called Berea. And in Berea, they encounter a people who are hungry for God's word. They study his word. And um, it's incredible. It's the first time that we really dig into a group of Christians who are digging and, and being hungry for the word of God. This week, we're going to focus more in Acts uh, 17, starting in verse 16. And uh, this is something I've been excited about. This is a, a set of scriptures that I've preached about before, but it was very early in me getting started in ministry. So I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to digging in these scriptures again. And and, and just the, the thought that I want to come to you with today, I believe is exciting. And I think it's very challenging. So I hope that you are taking notes and um, whether it's physical notes, if you're watching or mental notes, if you're driving. All right. And uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 16, we have a little bit of reading, but it's, uh, it's okay, right? Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this blabber wish to say? I know some of you thought the same thing today. Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all of the Athenians and foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way... You are very religious. For as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all 
mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each of us. So uh, Paul's spirit was provoked. Some translations say distressed, some say stirred, some say, you know, provoked. His spirit was troubled. He goes into this uh, city of Athens and they're full of idol worship. They're full of false gods. They are a deeply religious city. And Paul steps into this city and he sees the hunger. He sees the want for religion, uh, the want for God, and he sees them looking, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? And his spirit is filled with a combination of anger and grief. He sees these uh, people who are hungry for religion, hungry for gods, but they're lost. They're blinded by Satan. They're trapped in, in pagan culture, and it causes Paul to be in a state of emotional upheaval. Paul saw the lostness and the brokenness of, of, of a religious people. Paul knew that if uh, these people uh, would ever know the true God, if they were ever to know who Jesus is, it would be because he tells them and he shows them the one true God. And, and you and I, we must have a heart and a spirit that is tender towards the lost, that we don't get angry at our culture. Uh, being angry at a lost society, that's easy. And it's much easier than trying to change it. So you and I just don't have to look and see and say, you know, culture is doing this and culture is doing that. And we get upset and we get hurt and everything else. No, no, no. We got to look at culture and understand that culture is being driven by lost people. And it doesn't need to anger us. It needs to break us. It needs to challenge us to know that if culture is ever going to change, it's not because we preach at them and yell at them and protest them. It's because we love them. And we don't just say we love them, but we demonstrate the love of Christ into this lost culture. And that's what Paul was doing. Culture is changed by a sharing and a demonstration of the word of God. A, a, a demonstration that we just don't tell them a better way. We show them a better way. And Paul says, he says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also this altar with an inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown. So, so I want to talk about this for a minute. Athens is this very religious city. They have altars and idols and shrines to, to every God they can think of. But they have one set up to an unknown God. So if you think back a couple of weeks to when uh, Paul and Barnabas was in Lystra and they um, uh, they healed a person and, and the town people thought that Paul and Barnabas was actually Zeus and Mercury and, and their, their family traditions and the traditions of the city, they believed that... Uh, 
Mercury and Zeus came and no one showed them honor, so they killed the whole city, right? And so for generations on generations on generations, they had this fear that Zeus and Mercury would come back one day and they wanted to make sure that they honored them so they wouldn't be destroyed again. They had this irrational fear of these gods. And so uh, the people of Athens have a... Tr- uh, um, a similar thing because what you see is they have all these gods, they have all these temples, all these altars, all these shrines, all this stuff going on, and they have the one to the unknown God because they don't want to miss a God. They don't want a, another random God to show up and say, hey, where, where's my where, where's my shrine? Where's my altar? Why are you worshiping everyone f- but me? Right? And so they have this altar to the unknown God just in case they missed one. And Paul shows up and he says, oh, you know what? I know the exact one you're missing. I know the one you're missing. There's a lot of unknown gods in our churches. There's a lot of gods that we worship out of tradition It's gods that we've been told to worship, how to worship, and we don't actually know God for ourselves. That churches are worshiping this image of a God that they've put together, they fashion themselves, and it's not the true God. Christianity is talked a lot about today. But to most people, God is still unknown. And who is this unknown God? We've been doing a series on our Wednesday nights uh, through a book. Uh, it was written by an author named David Wilkerson. Uh, he pastored and he started um, an organization called Teen Challenge. And he has a book. It's called Hallowed Be Thy Names. And it's a book that goes through the different names that were giving to God by people by people who experienced God in their darkest moments. And in these dark moments, in your darkest moments, God reveals his nature, his character, and his self. And and, and you experience those the brightest in your darkest moments. That when you're going through your struggles, when you're going through your pain, when you're just going through your mess, that is who when and how you discover who God really is. And in these dark moments, God revealed his name to his people in the first place to bring them encouragement, hope, and life. We know many of these names, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Um, You have El Elyon, which is... God, the creator and possessor of all heaven and earth. These are names that people gave God, that they experienced God as being sufficient, being powerful, being the victor, being their provider, being all these things, because that's who they needed in that moment. And many of us, we we worship at an altar to an unknown God because we have never developed a name for God for ourselves. But rather, you and I, we worship God that we've read about, heard about, and we're told to worship. And and listen, I I want you to understand this. If you don't get anything else out of any of this that I say, if you decide that you're tired of listening to me, 
And you want to turn it off. I want you to understand this right now. God has to be experienced, not studied. Okay? Listen, the, that you can't just read about God to, to, to know who God is. You can't hear about God to know. You have got to experience who God is. If you have questions and doubts and concerns about God and religion, you need to seek out and go, God, how can I experience you? How can I know that you're real? How can I taste and see that you are good? Listen, demons, demons know the word of God. They know who Jesus is, but but they never experienced his love, grace, and mercy. And if demons know who God is, it's not about us knowing who he is. It's about us experiencing who he is and getting to know him through those experiences that you and I, we could go through the book of the Bible and we could read every name that's ever been given to God, but that's not enough. We've got to have our own name for him. Jehovah Jireh was a name that Abraham learned through an experience with God. You've got to have your own name for God, that God is the blank, right? God is my father. God is closer than a brother. God has been my deliverer. God has been sufficient to me. You've got to go through your battles and not, not say, not say, where is God? Don't go through your battles. Don't go through your heartaches. Don't go through the struggles that you're in. Don't go and say, where is God? I want you to change that and say, who is God? Who is God in this moment? Who does he want me to understand him to be in this moment? Come on, someone. I hear you, amen. I mean, don't worry. Don't think your amens are going unnoticed. I hear him. The names that we read about are who God was for these people and their needs. We could study names to know God's character, but we need to experience God for ourselves in our deepest, darkest, loneliest battles. It's not where is God. It's who is God. And God wants to be that very need that you have. He wants to be the fulfillment. He wants to be the victor. He wants to be the champion in that moment because God is the answer to the problem you're facing. Psalms 124, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who has made heaven and earth. Psalms 91, 15. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Psalms 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and the pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I'll call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his 
the voice of his servant. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Listen, it's the name of the Lord that we have experienced that we can trust the most. That that whoever God has shown you to be through an experience is the name that you have developed for him that you can trust in. Because he has delivered you in the past, you know that he's a deliverer and you can trust in him to deliver. That you have experienced his healing power in your life and you know he's a healer. And because of that experience, you can trust him to heal you again. Now, all of these wonderful names that you read about in the Bible, right? El Shaddai, um, El Elyon, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Meki, Jehovah this, Jehovah that, all these. These are names that people gave to God. But there's only one name in the scriptures that God gives for himself. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God wants us to know that he is everlasting. He has no beginning, no end. He always was, he is right now, and he always will be. God says, I am whatever you need at any point in your life. That is the nature of to be whatever you need at any given time. Experience me in your needs and I will fulfill those needs. I am whatever you need. God says, I am. Wherever you need me to be, I am. Whatever you're going through, I am. Whatever the answer to your problem is, I am. God is the I am that I am, and he's everlasting from beginning to end, and he always will be, and he's always going to be in the midst of your issue, and he's always going to be delivering you. He's always going to be loving you. He's always going to be caring for you because I am. And there are many that have heard about him. They've been preached to. They feel like they know God because of what they've been taught and what they have read about him, but they worship at an altar of an unknown God because they've never experienced God. Many churches have bottled God to be one way. They said, this is who God is, nothing more, nothing less. You either worship him for this, and they don't truly know who God is. God can't be contained to a denomination, to a belief system, that God is so much greater than that. And we bow down to an altar of an unknown God, and we worship him in a certain way, in a certain style, and that's the way it has to be. But that's not so with God. That you need to experience God. We have churches that worship a God they feel like they know, but God is far from them because they worship a version of a God that they've been taught to. What about outside the church? There are generations of people who have heard about a God that loves them. And sadly, there's generations of people who've heard that there's a God who hates them. And the people who are always 
preaching, preaching the loudest of what God hates and they're protesting and they're, they're pushing people away from God. And they do it out of ignorance because they worship at an altar of an unknown God. And we have to have the same heart that Paul has. We need to be leading people to an experience with God. Not trying to change who they are. Not trying to change what they do. Not trying to change what they believe. But change the, the, the very notion that they've never experienced God. People can't learn their way into a relationship with God. They need to experience God. And I, I hope that's, my heart today is that's what happens, that, that through this online experience, through this guy who apparently has been screaming at you, um, my sound guy is wiping blood away from his ear because I've been so loud. I want you to experience God. To push back everything that you've been taught. Push back everything that you think you know about God. Push all of that away right now. And say, God, I need to experience you. I need to experience the love of Christ in my heart. I need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my body. I need to know, God, that you're speaking to me, you're leading me, you're guiding me. I need to experience the character of who you are. I need all of that. If I could kind of forget what I've been taught, forget what I've been told, forget, forget all of this stuff and truly experience who you are. I'm challenging you to tear down an altar to whatever God you have right now and rebuild an altar to I am. And your prayer right now is, God, I don't want to know about you. I want to experience who you are. I want to tear down the wrong altar and build the right altar that I want to experience the unknown. If you're watching this and you've never experienced God, you've heard about Him, you've heard a lot about Him, you have your doubts and you have your fears and you have your worries, if you truly want to know if all of this is true, I challenge you to experience God. Don't try to figure him out. Don't, don't try to just read about him. To have an open heart and say, God, I want to experience you. And as you do this, I want you to look around in your life and see how God is opening doors for you. See how God is changing situations for you. See how God is leading you. And experience the unknown today. God, I love you and I thank you, Lord. And I pray, God, there's... God, I know there's people watching right now, God, who don't know you. God, they're going through the toughest battles of their life. They're lonely. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're hurt. And they've seen your people bowing down to an altar to an unknown God. And I pray right now, God, 
that we could worship you at an altar to a loving God, a God who's willing to lay down his life, a God who is willing to die on a cross for our sins, that we think that we just don't hear about him, study about him, but God, you're a God to be experienced today, Lord. So I pray if anyone's watching, God, they feel the stirring in their heart. They feel something different happening in their heart right now, God. And that's your Holy Spirit speaking to them. That's the love of Christ breaking through every doubt, hurt, and offense that they can experience your love, Jesus. So right now, God, I pray they welcome you into their hearts. God, and right now, God, there's people who have only worshipped God they've been told about. And they've never experienced you, God. I pray they break away that hardness, God. They break away that that religion, God, and they experience your love for themselves, Lord. God, that we tear down these altars to unknown gods and we resurrect an altar to I am. God, I thank you for what you're doing in each and every person that's watching this, God. God, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, y'all, little different, a little loud. <laughs> Got a little excited, I guess. But um, God loves you incredibly. And I know you go through your hurts and your struggles and your pain. And the idea of that flees sometimes. But I want you to know today, God loves you. God cares for you. God is with you. God is leading you. God has prepared the place that you're at right now. And he's going to make sure that you make it because he loves you. And we love you here at Together Church. So why don't you send us a message? Let us know how we can better connect with you. Let us know how we can pray with you, celebrate with you. And uh, we just we just pray God's blessings over your life this week. And uh, I want you to remember that life is always better together. <laughs>